All right. Um, so uh, I would definitely uh, like to just take a moment to uh, embarrass Pastor Rob while he's not here. Maybe he'll listen to this later. I don't know. Um, but I just want to take a moment, and I just want to thank him for everything that he's done in my life. And I know that you guys have a lot to thank for what he's done in your life. Uh, every single Sunday he gets up here and he just unravels the word. He's able just to pull it apart, dissect it, and pull things out that we've never seen before. And you know what? We are blessed. We are absolutely blessed to have a pastor like Pastor Rob. So let's just take a moment. Pastor Rob, we thank you. We pray that wherever you are right now, Lord, we pray that you would bless Pastor Rob, wherever he stands, wherever he sits, whatever he does, that your blessing would be on him, Lord Jesus. Lord God, that your refreshing would be on him, Lord God, that you would lead him to your pastures. Lord, that you would lead him to your waters, Lord, in these days that he's away, Lord Jesus. He deserves it. He deserves it. So guys, I just want to, first of all, um, I first wanted to apologize for the amount of scripture I'm about to just throw at you. But then I realized I shouldn't be apologizing for, for the word of God. Uh, so, so, so I just want you guys to follow me. The, the title of my sermon is not going to be up there, but the title of my sermon is He is More Than Enough. As you can tell, it's been on my heart lately. He is more than enough. And uh, I won't lie, I kind of stole this idea from my mother. So, so I, you know, we made sure to thank Pastor Rob, but you guys know that the second, you know, the, the other most powerful uh, preacher in my life is my mom. And when I, when I get on the phone with her, she just starts preaching at me. She, she can't help it. It's just, it's just in her. And she starts preaching at me. And uh, recently I had a, a one-hour car ride that I had to, you know, do for work, and I got an hour sermon from my mom uh, on a totally different aspect, and I wanted to reveal a different side of this, of, guys, he's more than enough, and I remember just the, the weeks after that, it just stuck with me, and I'm hoping that the same thing happens to you. I'm hoping that this isn't just uh, a short time on a Sunday morning where you just hear words, but I'm hoping that the power of the word of God penetrates. This is not the word of Stephen. This is the word of God. This is the word of God. So please do not be distracted by my imperfections. Do not be distracted by the way that I talk or what I do or where my eyes are. Be focused on the word of God because it's life-changing. It's life-changing. And what I'm about to show you is life-changing, not because I'm saying it, because it's simply the word of God. It's simply the word of God. And I want to show you guys the story. I want to bring you to the introduction. And I want to bring you to the prequel of what made God and when he showed himself to mankind that he is more than enough. And it starts with Abram. Um, I'm going to call Abram, Abram, as long as he's called Abram, okay? But I know some of you know, you know, he gets a name change. Um, so we're going to start in Genesis 12 with the first mention of Abram. And I'm just going to let you guys know, we know three things so far. He's married to Sarai. Sarai is, is not able to conceive. And they were brought to the land that they live in by Abram's father. They're on Abram's father's land. And we're going to start uh, in verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, this is the first time God's speaking to Abram, okay? So we realize, as far as we know, they don't have much of a relationship yet. So just, just imagine that, you know, 
this voice comes to you and this is what it says. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. So just think about this for a moment. Abram is, again, he's in his father's home. He's in a country that he knows. He's inside of his comfort zone. And, and what I see right away and what I've seen is God often when he calls you, calls you out of your comfort zone. Can I get an amen? He calls you out of your comfort zone. And uh, it reminds me of the time when I, a, a, a young boy uh, from a little town in Claremont, New Hampshire, uh, moved to New York City. And um, I had always wanted to live in New York City, and I had an opportunity to go to school for music production. And I, I went to school uh, right across from Macy's, uh, 34th and Broadway, and it was, it was a wonderful experience. But I was, um, I was a little out of my comfort zone. And uh, I remember when I first moved to New York City, I remember seeing these people. And the, the first time uh, that I, I, I stood in the streets living there and looking up at, at these buildings and watching these people who were running from point A to point B, <laughs> running from point A to point B, I realized and I thought to myself, these New Yorkers are some of the most impatient people I have ever met in my entire life. Okay, this is a little New Hampshire boy, okay? So just, just bear with me here. They're the most impatient people I've met in my entire life. Who is so, like, who takes it so seriously to get from point A to point B? I've never experienced it in my life. And then you know, it was about a week of living there and taking the E-train, 17 stops from where I lived to where I worked, 17 stops on the E-train where I started to realize why the New Yorkers want to get from point A to point B so fast is because you never get from point A to point B fast. It just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. You're on that train and you, the, the train's either late or you miss it, right? Or it just stops in the middle of nowhere for no reason. I mean, you are on this train, the tracks are clear and you're not moving and you kind of get it. You kind of get it. And you realize there's a common bond you know, between the New Yorkers. And even just living there, it doesn't take long, but you start having a common bond. They start becoming your brothers and sisters because you have a common bond, and the common bond is hating the MTA. <laughs> hating the MTA. It's your common bond. You know why? Because the MTA controlled our timing, and we didn't like it. The MTA controlled our timing, and we didn't like it. And... I want, I want to just look at this scripture because if you look at verse 1, if you look at verse 1, God says to Abram, leave and go to the land that I will show you. You realize that God doesn't tell him right away where he's going. And often God doesn't re reveal the destination because sometimes the timing is more important than the destination. Sometimes the timing is more important than the, the destination. And you know who knows our character more than we know our character is God. He knows. He's in control. So if he hasn't quite given you that destination, maybe it's because he wants to control the timing because he has a perfect moment for you. Hold on to that just for a moment. Sometimes the most powerful part of your testimony will be when God moved rather than where you went. Listen to this. I'm going to say it one more time. All right? 
And this is going to apply to somebody here. Sometimes the most powerful part of your testimony will be when God moved and not where you went. And not where you went. So don't take lightly the timing of the Lord. I, there's a lot of scripture here, so I am going to be moving through a few different scriptures because I'm following this one mind. I'm following this one thought. Uh, in verse 16, uh, the Lord says, I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. So obviously God's trying to blow Abram's mind here. You know, he's, just, he's trying to throw something out that we can't comprehend because we can't count that number. And then he goes, he goes to say, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? The one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. And it, it just makes me realize we are so fast to think that our limitations are God's limitations. We're so fast to think that our limitations are God's limitations. And he goes forward to say, when the word of the Lord came to him, this man, okay, then the word of the Lord came to him, this man that he's speaking of, Eliezer, this man will this man will not be your heir, this, this man that they're talking about, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky, count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said, so shall your offspring be. And I, I, I read this and I said, well, God, why, why are you, you've already, you've already explained to him that his offspring would be, would be a, a giant number. You've already talked to him about this. Why are you bringing him outside again? And you realize that uh, God, God did not bring Abram out to, to, for him to practice his addition. And I actually wrote that out. I, I know it's not, you know, extremely amazing, <laughs> but, but, but hear me out. I, I wrote this out on the computer. God did not bring Abram out to practice his addition. And my computer kept putting a blue squiggly line under addition. And I don't know about you guys, but that just drives me nuts, okay? This is the word I want, and it's spelled the way I want. Like, get out of here, Google. Like, let me be. And it kept wanting to change that word and change that word and change that word. It was driving me nuts because it kept trying to change addition to addiction. It was driving me nuts. And then I realized, Lord, every single time that God comes to talk to Abram about his promise, every single time, Abram just wants to talk about his problem. Every single time God says, I have a promise, all Abraham can think about, all Abraham can talk about is his problem. And I realized, Abram, he was addicted to his problem. He was addicted to his problem. And I realized, man, can't we relate? Can't we relate? We, we talk about our problem. We think about our problem. And you know what? We don't realize that the Lord has a promise. The Lord has a promise. And I realize uh, God brought Abram out to remind him, right? He, he showed him the dust. He brought him out amongst the stars to remind him how big he is and how powerful he is. Because when you look at the dust, all you see is dust, right? But can you imagine, can you imagine in Abram's day how clear the stars would have been? 
right here in Tampa Bay and many places. It's just the, the lights from the cities around, they put up so much haze. You can imagine how clear the stars and the galaxies of the universe would have been. And as Abram went outside of his tent and he looked up, and he said, wow, this is so different than looking at the dust because his eyes could go as far as they could possibly see. And you realize when you look at dust, all you see is dust. But when you look up into the galaxies and you see the great expanse of the universe, you realize how big God is and you realize that the size of your God outweighs the size of your problem. The size of your God outweighs the size of your problem. And it's so, and it's so incredible because the next scripture goes to say, and this is important, Abram believed. That's what it took. It took Abram to get his mind off of the dirt and his mind off of the dust and to realize that God is bigger than my problem. And you know what? Knowing what God's promises are, he knew what God's promise was because God kept telling him what the promise was. And I want to say that knowing God's promise is completely different than believing God's promise. It's completely different than believing God's promise. What will it take for us to believe? Looking at the size of our God, the size of our God. And it, and it reminds me of the song, because it reminds me of the song, it says, you said it, so I believe it. You said it, so it is done. And I just love that. I just love that. So Abram goes from knowing to believing. And just like Peter in Matthew 14, stepping out of the boat into the water, it's one thing to believe for a moment, but it's another thing to trust for a lifetime, right? So Abram has gone from knowing God's promise, and now he believes God's promise, but there's still something more for Abram. It says right here that in chapter 16, it, uh, the Bible says Abram believed but God never told Abram how he was going to do it. You realize God never said it, says that how he's going to do it. He just says you're going to have a son. But he doesn't say how he's going to have a son. And just like we would do, we can take our matters into our own hands. And in, in chapter 16, it says, now, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children, so sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt to her mistress. The plan backfired. And you know, often when we take matters into our own hands, no, it will, not often, it will backfire. If the Lord has a plan and we, and we go against that plan, it, it will backfire. And Sarai gave Hagar to Abram to be his wife. And I think, I, I think about that. What a sacrifice. What a sacrifice. Imagine, imagine the shame, imagine the rejection that she would have felt. And when I thought about the word sacrifice, I thought about 1 Samuel, uh, where Samuel speaks to Saul through God. God. God speaks to Samuel and says, tell Saul that he needs to go and he needs to completely demolish the Amalekites. He needs to completely demolish them. He needs to leave nothing alive, not even the animals. Everything has to go. It was a clear message. It was a clear message. 
So then in the night, uh, God speaks to Samuel and says, Samuel, something's not right. He didn't obey. You need to go check it out, Samuel. So Samuel travels to go see Saul, and he, and he gets to the place where he knew Saul was, and he, they said, no, Saul isn't here. Uh, he's actually gone, and he's made a monument to himself. He's made a monument to himself. So Samuel goes and finds him, and Saul comes running out, saying, bless you, Samuel. I did, I did everything. I, I did everything just like I was supposed to. And Samuel says to him, what's that sound that I hear? What's the bleeding of sheep and the bang? Oh, well, we saved the best of the best so that you could give an offering to the Lord your God. And he said it twice in the scripture, the Lord your God. And I realized, you know what? When you don't truly know God and when you don't truly know his heart and when you truly don't know his character, he's always gonna be somebody else's God. He's always gonna be somebody else's provider. He's always gonna be somebody else's healer because you know what? If we don't take the time to get to know his character, he needs to be our God. And it says right here, 1 Samuel 15, the Lord, this is, this is Samuel speaking to Saul. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Does he like burnt offerings more than he likes your obedience? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. Hosea 6.6 6 says something similar. It says, for I desire steadfast love, not sacrifice the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. And I believe that Sarai would have never made that sacrifice if she had at that moment knew the true heart of God. She would have never made that sacrifice because she would have known the true character of God who never ever wanted sacrifice. Sacrifice was always throughout the scripture a means to the end. He never wanted sacrifice. He's always wanted relationship. And uh, it says it's important, hold, hold that for later, because God's about to reveal a part of him that the world had not seen yet. And this is what I'm trying to get to. 17 verse 1, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, for the first time ever, he says, I am El Shaddai. And he reveals a new side of him that Abram or nobody had seen yet. El Shaddai means almighty God, means more than enough more than enough. And we're going to watch as Abraham learns who this God is and that he can trust him. It says, walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be called Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. This is important, guys. And believe it or not, as far back as this was, this applies to us today. The name Abram means exalted father. It's a great name. It's a great name. But the name Abraham means a father of a multitude. A father of a multitude. And why does that apply to us? Why does that apply to us? Because of what happened at the cross, and we're gonna get to that. And Abraham had no idea that the multitude did not just limit his biological descendants, but includes you and I today in the very promise that we're reading about. In the very promise, and we're gonna get to that. Paul writes in Ephesians 2, therefore, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait for this one to go up. I want you guys to see this. Read, read it in your head with me, okay? This is important. 
Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth are called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done by human hands. Remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants and the promise. You were without hope, and you were without God in this world. But now, can everyone just say that for a moment? But now, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the wall, the curtain, torn. He destroyed the barrier. He made a way. He made a way so that through the spirit, Abram, Abraham is our spiritual father. And every promise you're about to read, you don't even think this applies to anyone but you. This is your promise. Say it. This is my promise. Come on. This is my promise. Come on. Let's believe it. Listen to this. God also said to Abram, as for Sarah, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarah. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Kings of people will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed to himself. He said, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? Abraham laughed. Abraham laughed because he did not yet truly know El Shaddai. El Shaddai just revealed himself. He has not truly got to know the God who is more than enough. When you truly know the God that is more enough, you're not surprised by the impossible. When you truly get to know the God who is more than enough, you're not even surprised by the impossible. Listen to this, 18 verse 1. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great tree of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance to his tent to meet them, and he bowed down to the ground. Now listen, of, of these three men, one of them speaks the, as, as the Lord. And I think what's really important to this, it, it, it says, what does it say? It says that there were three men. But how did Abraham, how did, how did Abraham know to go running to go running to them as if they were lo the Lord. And it's because we're watching, we're watching as he gets to know God. And when you get to know God, even from a distance, you get to know his character. And you, you can recognize him even from a distance. Now just, just follow with me. Abraham runs to prepare a meal. We're going to skip to eight. Then he brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared. And he set before them. While they ate, while they ate he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife, Sarah, they asked. There in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now listen to this. This is interesting. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. All right? Going back for a moment to God's timing. Not only was she barren during the, 
normal years that she could have child, now she's even past that point. Now she's even past that point. Now it would be a miraculous conception. Right? Okay, so listen to this. She's at the entrance of the tent. Abraham and Sarah, they were already old. So Sarah laughed to herself. Funny, she did the same thing that her husband did. She laughed to herself and she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, Abraham's old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? And this next scripture is the best. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for I am more than enough? Have you not got to know me enough yet? Are you still surprised by the impossible? Come get to know me a little bit more. Come get to know me a little bit more. I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. And I, I think it's just important because it's right here, El Shaddai is showing that he is a God so powerful that the impossible should not be a surprise. I know I've said it, but he's so powerful that the impossible should not be a surprise. 21.1, it says, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the, now this is a very important word. And I feel like I see this a lot in scripture. The word very, is a, it's a very important word. The word very. Because it says right here, at the very time God has promised him. It's God's perfect timing. It's God's perfect timing. The exact moment in the exact day on the exact year that that son should come into the world. Remember, sometimes your most, the most powerful part of your testimony will be when will be when God moved and not where he moved. Take a moment just to think of this conception. I know I just alluded to it. But if she had conceived in her early years, people probably wouldn't believe that it was a miraculous conception. This timing was important. This timing was important. And, and God's about to reveal something very powerful is about to happen here. All right, something very, very powerful because God is starting to set something up that will spark the chain of events that forever change everything. All right, this is just a spark of the beginning of change and you guys got to see this. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to Abraham, uh, he said to him, Abraham, he called out his name. Here I am, Abraham replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, who you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. And I remember some of the first times that I ever heard this scripture. I thought to myself, what kind of God? What kind of God would ask a man to do something like that? And, you know, it starts making me think of even my own son. My, my only son. My innocent son. My son's so innocent, my son's so innocent that on our trip when we were in California, we were going to a national monument, which is a statue, and it's this beautiful statue, it's a state, it's a, it's a national monument, uh, uh, Cabrillo National Monument, and it's there in San Diego, and on each side of it are these cliffs that just come straight down, and you're driving, green grass, blue sky, beautiful, and I remember 
the kids talking, where are we going, what are we doing? Oh, we're going, we're gonna see this statue. And I remember as soon as I said that, my son started acting, he just got a little weird. And I remember asking him, buddy, what's wrong? What, what's wrong? And he says, he says um, I'm not gonna bow down to the statue. <laughs> innocent, an innocent child. And I remember saying, bud, what, what do you, okay, oh, don't, that's okay. Don't bow down to the statue, buddy, that's okay. And we're driving and we get out of the car and we're walking and he's really hesitant. He's really hesitant and he's looking all around. And, he's, and we're like, buddy, what? What are you doing? And he says, where's the fiery furnace? <laughs> and I remember just thinking, this, he's so innocent. He's so innocent. He's so innocent. And we, uh, we get, you know, we're there and, and we explain to him, buddy, there's no fiery furnace. That was, you know, a story in the Bible and this is the story and there's, this is not that place and don't worry about that. You're okay. Take a breath. It's all right. And he, you could tell he felt a little better, but, but there was still something there. So as we're leaving, as we're leaving, we get in the car and he's real quiet again. And I ask him again, oh boy, here we go. And with my son, you kind of like coax stuff out of him. Like, you know, all the kids are different, but he's the one that you gotta be like, come talk to me, you know, say it a little louder. What's the Buddy, what's wrong? And he says, I think I accidentally bowed to the statue. <laughs> what do you mean you accidentally bowed to the statue? Well, I was running and I tripped and like fell right in front of the statue. And I think I like bowed to the statue by accident. He's so innocent, he's so innocent. And, and these are the, when I think of my son, these are the stories that I think about. So when I look at this scripture and I think about my son, but then you know what? I heard, I heard this, and this, this changed everything for me about this scripture. And I heard that when reading this scripture specifically, how it makes you feel says more about you than it says about God. Okay, how it makes how, how you feel about the scripture says more about you, says more about me than what it says about God. Because if you truly knew, like Abraham does at this moment, the character of God, if you truly knew the character of God, that he truly has shown himself that he is more than enough, you know, you know, the Lord says, the Lord says that, that God cannot be tempted, nor can he tempt man. If you really knew the character of God, you would know the outcome. If you knew the character, you would already know the outcome. And watch this, as we read, somehow, Abraham already knows the outcome. He already knows what's gonna happen. So listen to this. I'm gonna read that bit of scripture one more time. Now the Lord, uh, let's back up. Uh, God said, Take your son, your only son, verse 2, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain that I will show you. And, and it's just going to go to show us, remember, God knows, uh, Abraham knows God's promise. We already know that. He's already shown that. He's shown in his promise many times. And the Bible says he believes his promise. The Bible said Abraham believed. And now we've seen with the birth of his son Isaac, that he trusts God's promise. Okay, this is a, this is a progression, because remember, this is our spiritual father, okay, that we're talking about, Abraham. This is our spiritual father that we're talking about. And just like my father told me when I was young, and he would sit me down many times, and he would say, bub, he called me bub. He would say, 
don't learn the hard way. <laughs> I don't know if your dad ever told you that. Don't learn the hard way. And, and he would try to show me truths, whether they were spiritual truths or whether they were just things about life that he learned, maybe he learned the hard way or his dad learned the hard way or things that he knew. And he said, please just listen to what I'm saying and don't have to learn this the hard way. Don't have to learn this the hard way. Because now, Abraham, who has known God's promise, who has trusted God's promise and believed God's promise, now he has to trust not a promise. Because you know what? There's no promise here. He said, go and sacrifice your son. That's not a promise. Now he needs to trust not a promise, but he needs to trust the character of God. And there is something so powerful about trusting the character because yes, you gotta get to know the character. There is something so powerful about trusting the character of God because there's not always a promise. There's no, you don't have a promise for every little thing that hits you. There's not always a promise that's spoken out to you. There's often a problem, right? There's often a problem, okay? But the problem is nothing when we trust the character of God. We know the outcome already. So listen to this. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and he loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood and the burnt offering, for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, now guys, I hope that you guys, you guys are catching something because there's some important, important words here. There's a third day, okay? There's, there's wood, right? There's only sun. There's a perfect conception, okay? I hope you guys are following what's happening here. Now listen, it says, on the third day, he looked up, he saw the place in the distance. He said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and listen to this, and then we will come back to you. There was no promise that we would come back. You know, because Abraham, he's not standing on a promise now. He's standing on the character of God. He's standing on the more than enough of God. He's gotten to know that God is more than enough. And you know, you know why this is all written? You know why this is all written? Because our spiritual father is saying, guys, don't learn the hard way. I've already been there and done it. Don't learn the hard way. Get to know the character of God. Get to know the character of God. Listen to this. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. Listen, the son carried the wood that he would be sacrificed on. He himself, Abraham, carried the fire and the knife. And then the two of them went on together. Isaac spoke up and said, uh, Dad, the fire and the wood are here, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And listen to this again. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And then the two of them went on together. And I know, I just absolutely know. Remember, I'm going to say it again. He's not saying this because of a promise. He's saying this because he knows the character of God. And I know that God was up there in heaven just laughing, just loving the fact, you know me so well, my son. You know me so well. Just like my son knows me so well. He knows me so well. He's four years old and he knows me so well. We were 
we were yesterday, we're, I hate to keep bouncing out of scripture, but you guys got to hear this. I love talking about my son. We, we, were, we were in the backyard, we're mowing his lawn, he calls it, right? The front yard's mine, and the backyard belongs to the four-year-old son, okay? Daddy, are we going to mow my lawn today? Like, he will sometimes wake me up early on a Saturday morning and say, Daddy, are we mowing my lawn today? Are we mowing my lawn? He has a John Deere ride-on battery-powered tractor that he follows me around with my, track, with my push mower. Now listen, we're in the backyard, and my wife, is, Amy, is there with, with little Aria. Ella's napping, and she's just watching Judah. Because I see this all the time because we mow the lawn together. I don't think I've mowed the lawn without him for two years, right? We mow the lawn together, okay? I will not do it without him. He'd be furious. He'd be furious, okay? So we're, we're out there mowing, and, and I, I get the weed whacker or the whippersnipper, whatever you want to call this, okay? I get the weed whacker, right? And, and, and he, he brings it to me and he hands it to me. At the moment that I let go of the lawnmower, he carries this thing to me because he knows me so well. He knows I'm going for that thing, right? Now listen to this. This is the type that has attachments on it. So you can pull it out and put on a blower. You can put it out and put on a hedger, right? So as I do my round, and I come back and I cut that last blade of grass. Judah is there standing, holding the blower attachment and handing it to me. Four years old, he knows me so well. He knows me so well. He knows my character. He knows what I'm going to do. And, and, Abraham, and, and God is here and he's watching Abraham and he's so proud that he knows my character. This was the true test. It was just a test that Abraham would know God's character. And it says here, it's, and I'm going to read that one time, God himself will provide a lamb. And in verse 9, when they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an, off, an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar, on top of the wood. He looked down at his son, Tied up on a pile of wood, he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. Now I can tell you that Abraham is not a perfect person. He's not a perfect person and neither are we. And it just shows you how much he knew the character of God. And I would like to think that I truly know the character of God a little bit like Abraham. But I can tell you that if I had a knife in my hand and I was looking at my boy on that altar, I might kind of like fake it and like just make sure like God, you know, I don't know. I, like pretend the whole time till I get to that moment, you know. But Abraham knew the character of God. And he's telling us, don't learn the hard way. I've already been there. I've already done it. And it's good. And it's good. And he's holding that knife in his hand. And he's about to lay that knife into his son. Because the, the scripture shows in other places that Abraham, Abraham believed that the word of God was true and the word of God was good and God cannot do anything that's wrong. He believed it so much, he didn't exactly know the outcome. He, you know, he, God could have raised him from the dead. God, there's, there's many variables here, but, but Abraham wasn't worried about the variables. He was just focused on the character, focused on the character. And an angel, 
And an angel cries out and says, Abraham, Abraham. The the end of verse 10. Abraham, Abraham. And I'm sure that Abraham's heart just was so happy. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God. Now I know that you know the character of God. Because you have not withheld from your son, your only son, Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by his horns. He went over, he took the ram, and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son, instead of me, instead of my boy. And you guys realize that that's Jesus. We deserve to be on that cross. We deserve to be on there, but somebody else is going to take it for us. So Abraham called the place Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. We believe it no matter what. The Lord will provide. Why? Because he is more than enough. He is more than enough to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Through Adam's obedience, he not only foreshadowed the crucifixion of Christ, but he sparked the chain of events that led to our Savior taking the place for us on the cross. You guys realize this was just a spark, and it went down through the descendants. It went down into David, right? It went down into the the building of the temple. It kept just trickling down from this very spark to the very moment that Jesus gave it for me, that Jesus gave it for us. And he broke the divide so that we can enter into the promise. We can enter into the promise. Showed us the importance of not just, Abraham in this, he shows us the importance of not just knowing God's promises, not just believing God's promises, not just trusting the promises, but Trusting the character of God. Get to know his character. And I want to get excited this morning about what this means for us today. What, you know, back, back then, you know, what this means back then is great, but, but what's so amazing about this is what it means for us today. And who says it better than Paul in Ephesians? And guys, this is my last scripture. And who says it better than Paul? And I, I want to get this up because I want to read this together if we can. And Ephesians, yes, chapter 14. Guys, this is... If you get anything, get this today. Get this today. Because what I, what I showed you was the beginning where God first said, where God first said it. He first said it, hey world, I'm more than enough. And then we watched a man, our spiritual father, get to know that character and realize it's good. It's good. And then here, how does this apply to us today? Listen to this. For this reason, I kneel before the Lord, from whom every family in heaven and on earth der- derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, this love that surpasses knowledge, this God who is more than enough, who we shouldn't even be uh, surprised by the impossible, that you may be filled to the measure 
of all the fullness of God. Now listen, it gets better. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ through all generations forever and ever. Amen. We stand on this word, Lord. We believe it. We believe in your character. And I just want to invite you. And I just want to invite you guys just to stand for just a moment. And I just want to invite you. I'm not going to invite the worship team up here. But I'm going to invite you and the worship team down here just for a moment. If you guys could just come forward. Because all of this, everything that we've just said, I just want to worship him just for a moment. If you guys come forward, we're going to end on worship. And, it, and it's going to be this. Pastor Carlos, we can go ahead and get that song ready. And you know what? The worship team, they give and they give and they give and they give. And guys, I'm doing this on purpose because I want you to receive just for a moment. And I want us to be able to lift up our voice as one. And I want us to take this scripture and to practice it. And we're going to thank him that he is who he says he is. We're going to thank him that he is more than enough. We're going to thank him that he is Jireh. He is my provider. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We're going to worship together. We thank you, Lord, for who you are, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for what you did, for the promise that you gave, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, that you have a perfect character, Lord God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the promises you've given us, Lord God. We know your promises, and we're going to speak them over ourselves every single day. We're going to speak your promises over us every single day so that we can go, Lord, from knowing to believing, Lord Jesus. Lord, and we want to go from believing to trusting, Lord God. Not just your promises, Lord, but your character. Who you are, Lord Jesus, is more than enough. Who you are is more than enough. Thank you, Jesus. Let's take the lights out completely. I'll never be more love than I am right now. Wasn't holding you up, so there's nothing I can do to let you down. It doesn't take a trophy to make you cry. I'll never be more love than I am right now.
on the mountain top I can see so clear what it's all about So stay by my side When the sun goes
Thank you, Jesus. Church, is he enough? Is he enough? Come on, lift up a shout in this place. You are more than enough. You are more than enough. Church, I just want to bless you. I just want to bless you before you go. Can I pray over you? Lord Jesus, thank you for these people who love you like I love you. Lord Jesus, thank you for the plans and the promises you have for each and every one of them. Lord God, we thank you, Lord God, that your promises outweigh our problems, Lord Jesus. And we pray, Lord, that today as we go home, Lord, that we could continue to meditate, not on my word, but on your word, Lord Jesus. That we could continue to meditate, not on my character, Lord, but your character, where our help comes from, Lord Jesus. We pray, Lord God, as we come together next week, that we would come expecting, Lord Jesus, to go into your presence, Lord God, to go into your throne room, Lord Jesus, in a new layer and a new aspect of worship, Lord God, that we could come together to worship the God who is more than enough. Lord Jesus, as they go, that you would send your angels to protect, Lord God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You guys go, be blessed, come back ready to worship. Let's worship next week. I love you guys. Be blessed, be blessed, be blessed. No.